This is Kat from Honeyskin. Today we're going to hear from Adrian from the Sassy Speculum. If you want to learn more about Adrian, follow her Instagram at Sassy Speculum or listen to her podcast called, you guessed it, Sassy Speculum. All right, let's jump in. So how are you today? I'm good. I just got back from Seattle um, oh, there for a conference. I got back like 30 minutes ago. Oh, so are you tired? I'm a little tired. I, uh, um, I'm not used to sleeping by myself and like without animals and whatnot. And I slept like in a king bed in a hotel by myself and it was like very weird. And so I didn't sleep very well. When I used to travel, it was really weird to have like a big room and a big bed and just nothing. Yeah. It was like, wait, you mean I have all this space for myself? <laughs> like kind of, but then it's kind of like sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, mm, I don't like this. Yeah. This weird. <laughs> I can stretch out and that's weird. Yeah. Oh, I'm like always sandwiched between my dogs and stuff. Yep. Same. Um, so how did the episode go that you had, uh, where you interviewed me for your podcast? Good. Um, it went like it did very well on, um, statistics, I guess. Statistically it did well. Right. Um, I did have a little bit of trouble. Um, after we hung up, I started listening to it and my voice was like crazy echoey. Oh, um, so I had to re-record all of my parts. <gasps> well, I didn't notice cause I listened to it. Good. Okay. Good. Oh, weird. Either like that or like text you and be like, uh, we need to redo this. Oh my God. Yeah. Yikes. So, I mean, it worked out fine and I'm really glad that you couldn't tell. Yeah. Bit. I mean, I was a part of that conversation. I listened to it and I didn't even pick up on that at all. Good. So, okay. Yeah. Totally nailed it. That makes uh, me feel better. <laughs> yeah. So I guess kind of, you know, who you are, tell me a little bit about who you are, what you're passionate about. Tell me about your podcast. Just give me like an intro about who you are. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Adrian. I'm finishing up my last year of med school right now. Um, I have eight weeks left. And um, I love women's health more than anything. I'm super passionate about educating women um, about their bodies so that they have their own knowledge and power to advocate for themselves in the medical field. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that our medical system is like set up to support women and allow that time for education. So that's kind of like the point of my podcast um, to get that education out there. And prior to going to med school, um, I was a birth doula. And I think that that's kind of where I like got my love for educating women about their bodies. Um, cause I saw so many pregnant women who just like had no idea the ins and outs of pregnancy and labor and why they felt a certain way during like first trimester versus second trimester. Um, and I feel like a lot of our medicine is very gate kept. So yeah. Purpose of the podcast was to break down that gate um, I think that really good medicine is medicine you do at home. So you should have the education to be able to do that if that's something that you want to do. Awesome. And so what is your podcast called and what's your next episode that you have coming out? Right. That's important. Um, <laughs> the podcast is called The Sassy Speculum. 
Um, and my next episode is coming out um, on Monday, the same day that this episode is coming out, I think. Yeah. Um, and it is, it will be on vaginal discharges. That's a good one. That yeah. was something I remember just in school, like the brief kind of sex ed day we had, like nobody talks about that. And honestly, till this, to this day, I probably couldn't tell you the differences between them. Yeah. And I think that that, like, I, I mean, you're not alone. I honestly don't really know the difference or didn't know the differences before I started doing all this research yeah. into it. Um, but it's something that every single woman deals with who has a uterus. So mm-hmm. I think that we should know what's going on. Absolutely. We should know way more than we do know. I feel like, I mean, obviously there's a ton of reasons why, but we don't know a lot about the, like a woman's body versus yeah. just like a body. A body. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So you said you have eight weeks left until you're finishing your, um, I'm having a brain fart. You're like your med school, right? Yeah. And so what is your, like the final degree? Is it like in a specific area or how does that work? Yeah. So my final degree will be a doctorate of naturopathic medicine, also known as an ND. Um, it's naturopathic medical school. It's the same program and whatnot that like traditional medical school is we just also have um like herbs and homeopathics and lifestyle medicine included in our education um so we treat like we just treat differently where still physicians just have a different mindset yeah yeah so what do you plan to do with your degree or like what type of practice do you want to have um well, this is my first time talking about this publicly, um, but I have a job offer slash mentorship um, at a clinic in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Um, I will be doing women's gut and hormone health. That's my passion. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm starting doing. I eventually would love to own my own practice or co-own with a friend or colleague. Um, I've had that dream since I was in college, but that is far down the line. Yeah, you'll get there. But that's amazing still. That's exciting. Congrats. Yeah, I'm very excited. Thank you. <laughs> when are you supposed to start that? Obviously, eight weeks you have left, but. Yeah, so we have eight more weeks of school, and then I take boards um, early August, and then I'll start seeing patients in October. Nice. Yeah. Very. I actually also have a wait list now that you can sign up for. Um, uh, yeah, I better be on that because we talked <laughs> Yeah. If anyone's interested, it's at, uh, sassyspeculum.com. Okay. I'll go on there after this. I won't forget. Um, (laughs) so let's see. And so your main focus, it sounds like hormonal and gut imbalances. Yes. For women specifically. So how do those two kind of tie into each other then? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) they are so intertwined. Um, it's not even funny. Um, gut health, um, or I guess the gut, like 90% of your serotonin is made in your gut. Um, Mm -hmm. serotonin is a hormone. So like if your gut is off or unbalanced, then like your serotonin production is also going to be unbalanced, um, for example. And then also hormones for the adrenal care, like adrenals, um, that definitely is impacted by our gut health as well. Mm -hmm all the hormones and all of the gut things are all interconnected. 
So just for someone listening, how would they, is there like a quick way to know if you have a gut imbalance? It depends. Um, it depends on what the person's symptoms are. Um, but I would say any gut symptoms like constipation, diarrhea, pain when you eat, um, like abdominal pain when you eat or, um, heartburn or colic or gas and bloating, like anything going on in your GI system, um, Mm -hmm. probably stems from some sort of imbalance with microbes. So basically everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) So, so kind of what's your going on a different note, like what's your familiarity with skincare? You know, obviously from my end, I know that hormones and gut imbalances have an impact on skin. Do you look for those signs when you're looking for gut imbalances or hormone hormonal imbalances? Yeah. Um, my familiarity with skincare is, um, I'm sure very, very different than yours. Um, I have it from like the physician, like dermatological perspective. Um, I also had like, uh, I have experience from a side business where I like made my own natural skincare products. So I have that side as well, but I don't have like a solid, well-rounded familiarity with skincare because it's not, um, my specialty per se, but yes, if a person is presenting like with hormonal acne, I'm going to say like, there will be follow-up questions to figure out what's, um, what they're life is like with that acne and, and how that relates to their hormones and their gut and everything. Yeah. So that kind of goes into my next question. Then if someone came to you with skin concerns, how would you approach that? Well, first and foremost, I would do a deep dive into their gut health, Mm -hmm. Um, like what they eat, when they eat it, how they're eating it, what their bowel movements are like, how much water they drink, exercise, all of that. And then if it was like a hormonal skin complaint, I'd ask them about menses and thyroid symptoms and adrenal symptoms to figure out what the core of the problem was and then actually treat their, like actually treat their concern from a root cause Mm -hmm. perspective rather than just slapping a bandaid over it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we hear the term like gut imbalance a lot, but what does that actually mean? I'm so glad you asked this. Um, <laughs> we all have a ton of bacteria like in and on um, our bodies. And a really, really good chunk of that bacteria is in our intestines. And we need that bacteria. It's good for us to help break down food and do all of the amazing things that bacteria can do for us. However, problems do arise when there is an imbalance in that bacteria, either too much of one strain of a bacteria, even if it's a good and like commensal bacteria or too much of a bad bacteria um, that has overridden the power of good bacteria. So it's just quite literally like an imbalance in the bacteria in our gut. And this causes symptoms that manifest in like every single organ system, most notably, obviously gastrointestinal symptoms, but also like mental health and the skin manifestations as well. Is it something that when it's out of balance, is it difficult to bring it back or it just kind of depends on? Yeah. Um, it depends on the situation for sure. I feel like all my answers will be, it depends. 
Um, <laughs> but um, it's doable. Mm-hmm. I have no concern about getting it done for patients typically. Um, yeah. Okay. So what are some good foods that help to kind of balance out the gut? I wish that this was also just like a, I could just tell you what to do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I would say the most important thing is eating a well-balanced diet um, that can balance out the gut on its own. There are some foods that do change the microbiota of the gut. Um, These are mostly probiotic foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, yogurt, pickles, kombucha, um, et cetera. And then I think another big piece of it is avoiding um, food intolerances because these can lead to inflammation, um, which then disrupts the balance in the gut. Yeah, And that's a really like easy and important test that you can get. It's covered by most insurances, which is awesome. Um, I got food intolerance testing like two summers ago because I was having chronic diarrhea and I just felt like crap all the time. I didn't have a libido and I was just like overall pretty unhappy. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I got it done, it showed me that my gut was just crazy inflamed. And when it is inflamed, you will have like tons and tons of positives because like everything is making your gut angry basically. Um, so I had a ton of positives that I couldn't take. I couldn't take all of them out of my diet. Cause that's like impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took out the top three and it got rid of all my symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Within like a couple weeks. That's where I'm at right now. No wheat, barley, or rye. So basically I try to eat gluten-free, but I'm not always the best at it. Um, and I'm supposed to be doing an elimination diet, like the FODMAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was supposed to report back to my dietitian next month, but they called me and said that she quit and they don't have anyone to replace her. Oh, no. And so work I've been doing and I was like, this is all for nothing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Through all these hoops to, cause I can't just, you just can't just go to a dietitian on my insurance. So okay. I went through all these steps, which like TMI included a colonoscopy and now it was for nothing. Cause I have to start over. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, sorry. Can you get those like transferred to your new doctor? I think so. I think okay. it'd be a problem to transfer it. I don't think they would make me go through those hoops again with a new doctor. That would be, I mean, that would just be silly and very expensive for them, but who knows with insurance, I'd have to ask. I, I would be surprised if they made you do another colonoscopy. Yeah. But I know I have to have my primary doctor refer me to the next person, which is like a pain in the ass on its own. But yep. I fully understand that. (laughs) Just like, I could kind of tell that when I spoke with her, she was like, yep, do this, do this. And she's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe like, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to be here next time anyways, but like, didn't tell me because she was just so like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, I thought you had to be pretty strict with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, do you feel better not eating gluten? I do. I feel much, much better when I cut the wheat out um, or at least certain types of wheat, processed foods. I can't do things with high sugar. So like no donuts, even if they're gluten-free, like no, no ice cream, um, no granola, um, 
I know. Well, I'm not a sugar person anyways. Okay. I salt. So I'm like, I can still eat salt. I could lick a salt stick and be fine. The sugar and the like really processed, like refined bleached wheats or all those. Um, but I do love bread. So that makes me sad, but I did find that croissants from Starbucks are completely fine. Really? Yeah. No issues with that. They're gluten-free. No, they're not, but I have no problem. No problems. Yeah. I'm like, I get one good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, the sugary stuff isn't good for you anyways. And they do make good gluten-free bread nowadays. Yeah. I do have some in the fridge that they're just tiny. So small. Yeah. So I feel like, okay, well, like five of these equals one bread. So I get to have like extra toast. So it's kind of like five sandwiches and it's fine. It's like a gift to myself. Absolutely. Make my kids will see me make like three sandwiches and like, geez, mommy. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. (laughs) Like one of your sandwiches. Right. That is the worst part I would say about gluten-free bread is that it is the size of my palm. It's like made for ants. It's tiny. Smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so small. But it doesn't taste bad. No. Um, so that kind of brings us to like, there's obviously a bunch of different diets. Do you have one that you believe is the best? Like we have vegan and keto and Mediterranean and all these things. Um, Mediterranean hands down is what I believe is best. I recommend it to pretty much every patient. Um, I think it's the only diet that focuses on like actual whole healthy, good for you foods. Yeah. Um, Mediterranean diet is like super antioxidant and anti-inflammatory and it has been clinically proven to have phenomenal effects on like reducing stroke and heart disease and cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's, like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's really, really amazing. And I personally don't believe in like calorie restrictive dieting. I don't think it's sustainable and it's just not good for you. So, um, it's only really effective like while you're doing it. And as I said, just not sustainable and weight loss is controlled by so much more than just calories in calories out. So I just, I don't see a benefit to doing calorie restrictive diets and you don't want to get me started on keto. (laughs) That's a rant that can go on for, for forever. Yeah. Whenever someone tells me they're on keto, cause I'm very much into like the, the gym culture and working out and heavy weightlifting. So I've seen all different types of diets, right? Mm-hmm. All the bulking and then the cutting and I'm like, mm, okay. And then I just stay with my one diet, no matter what time of year, no matter if I'm bul- I don't bulk, I don't cut. I just, I mean, I also, I don't do like bikini competitions or any of those competitions. So I understand that is a little different, but I do think that extreme fluctuation, I'm like, I'm not doing that. You guys are insane. So bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, if it works for you now, like imagine what your body's going to be like in 20 years when all that catches up with you. Well, and when I see like the, you know, 40s 50s people at the gym who were competitors I'm like I can tell <laughs> not <laughs> just you're been through the ringer I can see it on their skin there is just something different about their skin I mean yeah. there's tons of why but um I can usually tell right away just 
for on based on a lot of things that I'm like, yeah, you absolutely were a competitor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, we're all, when we're in our twenties, we all think that we're invincible and nothing's going to be a problem, but it's not true. Tell me about it. I, I thought I was invincible. I'm dealing with my youngest daughter thinks she's invincible. She's already had staples in her head. She's already had a broken toe. I think she might have a broken finger right now, but I told her we're going to wait. She's going to ice it because I'm not paying another bill right now. <laughs> and then after this finger, I think it was. And then af- as I'm talking to her, she slams this finger in the fridge and starts oh crying. God. And I was like, just please go sit in your room for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me I needed to be in a padded room. Cause I, yeah. I mean, it should probably still be in a padded room. Right. Like, yeah. I put her in a bubble. Okay, so I listened to an episode on your podcast about sprouts, and I didn't realize that they were just like so powerful. So how do these microgreens like positively impact health and women's health and hormones? I mean, obviously you talk about it on that episode. I can't remember which one it was, but kind of just like a little quick summary. If people want more, they can go listen to that episode. Yeah. Um, The microgreens episode I thought was really interesting. I had no idea also that they were like so high in nutrients and just like such a superfood. Um, they actually contain like 40 times more nutrients than their fully grown counterpart plants or vegetables. Mm -hmm. Um, because like all of the nutrients of the plant are packed into that teeny tiny microgreen, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like overall general health, um, they've been found to improve digestion due to some of the enzymatic properties They aid in weight management, boost immune system um, due to their antioxidant and vitamin qualities, and they're anti-inflammatory, which is the cause of most chronic diseases. So for overall general health, they're pretty amazing. And then in terms of women's health, broccoli, greens, and other cruciferous vegetables have two constituents called sulforaphane and dindolomethane, or also known as DIM. Um, And those have potent anti-cancer properties, specifically with breast cancer, and they improve um, detoxification through the liver, which then helps to metabolize hormones, making it great for problems like endometriosis and PCOS. Um, And I am obviously very pro getting nutrients from food, um, but also if somebody isn't able to grow their own microgreens or doesn't have the ability to get them out of store for whatever reason those constituents have actually been encapsulated um, and can be purchased to get those same benefits from a supplement. Let's see. I was going to ask the question as you were saying that, oh, I know I was going to say, after I listened to that episode, I went out and bought like three boxes of microgreens. I did the same thing. (laughs) I swear to God, my kids were like done with microgreens by the end of the week. I was like (laughs) sprinkling on everything. I was like spaghetti, eggs, like peanut butter. And they're like, mom, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. You're good. <laughs> They're so good, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought they were great. And for someone like I have ADHD, I have like a textural issue with some foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like crunch. And mm-hmm. so it helped me like, I really like eggs, but sometimes when they're too runny, it's like a texture thing, but I've yeah. noticed putting crunchy things on top makes it so that I can eat it with no problem. So instead of like putting chips or I don't know, chia seeds or whatever, the microgreens had that same effect for me and made it much easier for me to eat those 
foods that I have texture issues with. That's awesome. So just a hint for, you know, a tip for anyone else out there who has texture issues and they like crunch that helped me. Super cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. So how do you feel about medications that target acne? Um, I think my answer probably won't come as too much of a surprise for most, um, acne medications aren't actually addressing like why the person has acne most of the time. Mm -hmm. So like, as I mentioned earlier, if a woman has hormonal acne, they're often put on birth control, but it's like the birth control is actually treating the hormone and it's not treating the hormone imbalance that's happening. It's just suppressing the hormones so that the acne just like magically goes away. Yeah. And then of course there's consequences from suppressing hormones. Once you get off of the birth control, um, that imbalance will just come right back and probably be worse, unfortunately. Um, so in that regard, I'm not a fan of acne medications or other things like birth control to, to target acne, but also like to play devil's advocate. I do believe that there's something in clearing up somebody's face quickly to give them self-confidence, um, therefore making them happier in general, and then putting in the work after that, um, after slapping that bandaid on in order to like figure out the underlying cause of their acne. And I feel like that was a really long winded way of saying depends. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what we talked about on the episode I had with you is when it comes to medication, like I also don't really like my clients to be on medication, but if their acne is so cystic and so severe and scarring where it's affecting their mental health, but it's going to affect the physical, just the barrier of the skin is going to be scarred for life, then yeah, let's stop the bleeding and then go back. So I think that's like a similar approach to what I do. Um, Obviously I can't diagnose, but I send them to a derm or a doctor, whoever. Um, Do you think that kind of, do you think either naturopathic medicine and just Western medicine, is there a place that they can work together with estheticians or do you see them as being completely separate one's health and one's um, like beauty? Because I know just like for a quick background in Oregon, estheticians fall under the board of cosmetology, but advanced estheticians, which is a newer thing, fall under the health licensing board. So we're this weird in between where if you don't get that advanced certification or you're someone like me who got um, licensed a long, long time ago before it existed, we fall under beauty, even though my practice is way more health related. That was a long question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely think we can work together. I, I don't see why not. Um, and I think that beauty comes from like, there's a lot going on on the inside that has an impact on what's going on on the outside. I think that that's what you and I have both been saying this whole time. I think, um, I think that, I mean, especially with naturopaths that we can definitely work together because you, as we talked about on my podcast, you do like a full holistic workup of the patient. You're getting to the root cause of what's causing whatever symptoms they're coming to you for. And Mm -hmm. that's the same thing we do. So if we were to work together, it would kind of make the patient's life a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Not having to tell the same story multiple times. Um, I'm not sure if an allopathic doctor would have that same 
mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible. And everybody's different. I'm, I'm sure there are some of them out there who would be like, absolutely not. We don't work together. I do X, Y, and Z. And, and I don't need to talk to an esthetician. Um, but I think, I mean, at least I would be very open to working with estheticians. Yeah. I think it's similar to like chiropractors who work with massage therapists. It's like just another thing, you know, the massage therapist, they're not cracking any bones or manipulating anything, at least from what I know. And so it's not like I'm going to be treating your patients, but just having that extra thing of like, while we're working on this, here's something that can help boost it. And I think it's, I find as an esthetician, I have a lot of people reaching out to me who have kids who are suffering from acne um, or, you know, people who have insulin resistance and they have darkening around the neck and they want, obviously they're working hopefully with their doctor to address that concern. But in the meantime, I can quickly lighten that. And so they want that option. um, But insurance doesn't cover what I do. And so it is not accessible for everybody. Um, Would you ever like, if you had to vote or something, do you think that those types of services should be like able to be billed to insurance so that they're accessible? Or do you still feel that they fall under kind of Cosmo? It's like getting your hair done. It's for, it's a luxury for those who can afford it. Um, I think yes and no, I, I would vote yes and no. Um, (laughs) I think that there are some things that can definitely fall under health needs. Like I believe that if somebody is having really severe um, mental health problems from cystic acne that destroys their self-confidence, then like, hell yeah, what you do should definitely be covered by insurance so that that can be fixed so that that person becomes healthy and happy. Um, I don't, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong. I can't see a like medically necessary need for like waxing. No. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the fact that, I mean, it makes you feel good. Um, but I think yeah. that there are a lot of things that you do that can definitely be medically relevant. Um, and it takes a degree to do what you do or like a certification to do what you do. So I don't see why insurance wouldn't cover a lot of yeah. services. Yeah. And that collaborative care model, I can never say that. It's like too many C's in a row. Collaborative care model yeah. of us working together, it only improves patient care. So, I mean, I'm very pro. Yeah. I will say going back to waxing, because at first I was like, yeah, no, no way insurance should cover it. But then I was about the client I had yesterday who I can't remember the condition she has. It's this really, really long word. Um, but basically it causes, um, it causes like boils in the armpits and such severe scarring that it causes tunneling. And so she can't hydrocinitis superativa. Yep. She can't shake at all. Um, and I was like, you know, have you gone to a dermatologist? She said, yeah, there's nothing they can do about it. And she, so she has to get waxed. She just, has to. And so for that, where I feel like if a dermatologist is saying you have to wax, because if you shave, you open yourself up to severe infection and it could lead to, you know, sepsis or whatever. I mean, I'm taking it to the extreme. Then I feel like, how's that any different than 
know, a Cairo saying you need massage therapy, not just to relax and it feels good, but because you have a muscle strain. I think there's weird thing with insurance where they're so picky. And obviously I know people abuse insurance, but I think, isn't that the point of having a doctor give you a referral? Yeah. Cause I was just, I had never seen that before. She was the first one who came to me with that condition. And I, I mean, she was only 20 Mm -hmm. and I was like, you have to figure out how to manage this for the rest of your life. And it's already so severe. And, um, so we were just kind of talking about it. I was doing some research on it while we were there. And I was like, from what I can see, obviously you need to talk to your dermatologist, but it looks like waxing or obviously laser hair removal, um, or electrolysis, like that, those, that's it. Those are your options. Um, and it made me feel really sad because it's not, waxing's not cheap anymore, you know? It's and so yeah, but I mean, I could go on about that all day. Obviously I don't think like getting your eyelashes done should not be covered by insurance. Um, getting your eyebrows tinted, like no, obviously not. But I do think some facials like teen facials to prevent scarring or waxing when it's a necessity, maybe the person's not even getting your nails done for like when my grandpa was, um, really old, kind of the end of his life. Same with my grandma, like they can't do it themselves. And when does that become a medical necessity of like, you have to keep your, you know, how many elderly people get sores on them because they're not taking care of their feet or whatever. Um, I don't know. I've had a lot of coffee, but this is always, this has kept me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, also like with nails, just to play off of that, like people with diabetes, they can't fix their feet. They can't do all of the work that needs to be done on their feet because they can't even like reach them in a lot of cases. Um, and they need someone who's trained to do it. So why, why aren't pedicures covered? Right. When there's girl for medical necessity. Exactly. Um, and in terms of the, the hydrotinitis superativa patient, mm-hmm. she should come see a naturopath because we have treatments for that. I will tell her because she definitely <laughs> seemed a little, she just didn't know what to do. She said, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have waxed her had she not gone to her derm, but she said she went to her derm. She was clear and I said, okay, obviously I make them sign a waiver. Um, looked at her skin to make sure there was nothing like active open and she was totally fine. But I would love to give her some more information because it was definitely something she was self-conscious about and it looked painful, you know? And Oh yeah. It's crazy painful. Yeah. And I get, I get quite a few clients like that where I'm learning about these new conditions every day. I think I know everything and they come in with something new and it's like, I would love to send them somewhere. But every time I say, have you talked to your derm? They're like, yeah, they don't do anything. And that frustrates me so much because it's like, well, yeah, it's just, it's a frustration of mine. Totally. Especially her. For her to be so young, so young. And her tunneling was the most severe I've ever seen that I can't imagine if it continues for another, you know, she's 20, let's say another 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. She won't have armpits left. I mean, that's how severe it was. Yeah. It's pretty, it's one of those diseases that's just like horrible. Yeah. For, for them on the inside and the outside, I would say. 
what causes that? I tried to kind of look it up, but it said it could be multiple different things. Um, it looks like it is chronic pus buildup and then it causes the, the skin to like become fibrous. Mm. Um, and it happens in the armpits and then the anal genital area, but it's a disease of the apocrine glands. So like of the sweat glands. Oh, interesting. Well, I'll send her your way. Okay. She definitely... Yeah. I have quite a few clients, especially with my skin lightening that's gotten really popular. And I try to tell them like a lot of this is hormonal or it's, you know, um, like the one around the neck is, um, could be a sign of like prediabetes or whatever. And yeah, I want them to take it serious and go see somebody. Good. Well, I would love to see her and anybody else you want to send my way. Yes. Perfect. Well, those were kind of all the questions I had. Um, let's see. Did you have anything else you wanted to add just about what you do or how it relates to skin or anything people should be aware of when it like they see things on their skin? Um, I think if people see new things on their skin, going to their doctor and telling them, um, is the first step. And then if like, if they don't feel comfortable with the way that the doctor handles it, or if they just get blown off, then go to a different doctor. Um, or maybe go like see their esthetician, um, or their dermatologist, or just get it checked out by someone who knows skin. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And we're green always. Yes. <laughs> Where do you fall on the sunscreen line? What was that? Where do you fall on the sunscreen argument? So some people say like, well, sunscreen's toxic and I'd rather not, I'd rather just risk sun exposure versus, you know what I mean? Like they, yeah. Um, I think that it's definitely more important to protect your skin. Yeah. Yeah. From the sun, not from chemicals. I mean, like, yes, protect yourself from chemicals, but, um, and get like a sunscreen that is lower in chemicals will be great. But I think that sun damage is so much scarier than chemicals. Yeah. So what I try and tell people, you have a higher chance of skin cancer from the sun than cancer from the chemicals. But yes, let's, here's all my suggestions of some that are, you know, free of this, free of that, but just wear something for the love of God, just wear something. <laughs> um, I think maybe if someone has like endometriosis and has an estrogen dominance, then staying away from chemicals is even more important. Yeah. But still not more important than protecting your skin because endometriosis isn't going to kill you and skin cancer can. That's, that's good. Yeah, avoid your toxins in other places if you need that's because you need sun care. I'm going to quote that on my Instagram. I mean, tell you what skin cancer can't. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. I will do the like intro and the ending later. Um, I'll just do the audios for those. And then as long as my editor can get to this by today, tomorrow, then it'll come out on Monday. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yep. Okay.
Bye. Bye.